It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. CEO of an overseas-owned election software company that has a contract with the Electoral Commission of Queensland has been arrested on suspicion of putting American polling booth worker data onto Chinese servers is extremely alarming. Yu Jingyu, the founder and CEO of Connect Inc., the foreign company that fully owns the Australian subsidiary Connect Australia, will face the US justice system and they will determine the facts of the allegations originating from LA County. Regardless of the outcomes in the USA, my concerns are with the sovereign capability, security and procurement of the Queensland election management system, how this firm came to get a contract over local Australian suppliers and the unknown cost of the Connect contract. Extremely serious questions still need to be answered by the Queensland Government and ECQ about the Connect contract, which involves sensitive software used to manage Queensland elections, particularly the personal data of election workers. Eugene Yu tried to sue me for raising issues about, about Connect and the procurement process, demanding an apology and compensation last year. I have refused to do so, and I consider the questions I've been raising about our election system and how it's managed, and the procurement process to award Connect this contract are more than reasonable and in the public interest. The Queensland Chief Customer and Digital Officer Chris Fechner said in the written submission to a parliamentary committee, I quote, the delivery of the project was further impacted in the final development of bug fixing stages during January and February 2020, as most of the coding resources were based in Wuhan, China, and were negatively impacted by the COVID-19 lockdown, end quote. When the Attorney General Shannon Fenneman was asked about this issue on October 6, 2022, after the arrest of Mr Yu in the USA, she said there's no evidence of a data breach in relation to Queensland electoral data. We need to know it's safe, it's secure, and there's independent checks on this and not just the word of the government. All right, that's, uh, that. <laughs> this is Sandy Rios. Uh, that is a member of parliament in Queensland, Australia. And uh, she's referring to what she's observed here, which is what she says has happened in Australia, and particularly with Connick, which is that company. Uh, this happened, what? Ten days ago, I don't think it's been quite two, two weeks, when Eugene Yu, who she mentioned, the CEO was, uh, I, I believe the, it's indicted, I think he was extradited to California, maybe using the wrong words, but he is in California under charges of leaking a sensitive, uh, he owns this election software company that deals in pretty much all the states that have been problematic in this, in this country. Um, and so he's been uh, charged with leaking information of poll workers to China. But as I told you before, uh, there may be much deeper implications because we know now that 
the software was set up in such a way that it was being sent the information on elections and all of that was being sent back to China. It is really, um, you know, it's pretty much like uh, what others were saying, Sidney Powell and others, when they were people were saying they were crazy. Uh, and I w just want to point out, I talked yesterday about Catherine Ingebrecht, Ingebrecht uh, the founder of True the Vote, and um, her partner, G Greg Phillips, in that endeavor, who have done such great work, and they're the ones that found out and reported, I guess, this whole thing about Koenig. I don't know the, all the details of that, uh, but I told you yesterday that that judge uh, in Texas, the uh, Reagan appointee who hates election deniers, has was going to arrest them, put them in jail, which he has. Uh, they went to jail yesterday, and they are there pending uh, releasing the name of their source, who let them know, the inside source, who was reported to be an FBI informant. I can't confirm that, but that's what I've heard. Um, and so the judge is demanding their source. And, um, it, you know, you, you can't do that. A journalist can be uh, ordered by a court, but a private citizen can't um, be for, but jailed uh, or punished because they won't, you know, they don't have to say everything that they know. And so, um, so this is the situation. They're in jail, Greg Phillips, Phillips and Catherine Ingebrecht. And I think it's just, well, personally, I think it's horrible. And we see these things happening all over the globe, and yet we are told that we are election deniers, which takes me to this next clip. Uh, yesterday, Tom Emmers, who is uh, one of the members of leadership for the Republicans. I'm not a fan of his, by the way. Uh, he's a real... Um, He's a, he's a real establishment Republican, so we wouldn't be kindred spirits. But he did an incredible job with the host of Face the Nation on this very issue. I was pretty amazed. And so I want you to listen to this exchange. Now, this is the host of Face the Nation, which I think that's CBS, uh, and the hostility and the accusations. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we are a week from the election today. Let's listen. Clip 18. A big majority of Republicans support the idea of private citizens challenging election officials as they process and report vote counts on election night. We're seeing that on the screen now. Two thirds of Republicans support the idea of private citizens patrolling around ballot drop boxes and polling places. This is just Republicans. We don't see this with Democrats. We do not see this with independents. Would you urge private citizens not to patrol polling places? Well, you, you picked the words, Margaret. I would say that it is Republicans, Democrats, independents, all American citizens are very acutely aware, as your previous guest just mentioned, about our election process. I think this is going to be a very good election because people are awake. They're paying attention. Mm -hmm. uh, they should volunteer as poll watchers. It, it's a state-based system. Whatever your state requires and allows, mm -hmm. you should definitely be involved. And I think it's going to help the process. And just to be abundantly clear, poll watching is different than voter intimidation, which is unlawful. Uh, nobody should be intimidated when they're exercising their most precious right to vote. So when you see video, as we have seen in a place like in Arizona, where you see individuals with tactical gear, when you see individuals with weapons outside drop boxes, where, how do you classify that? Again, no one should feel intimidated when they're exercising their right to that vote. That is intimidating. You, you've got, you've got uh, stories on both sides of the aisle. You've got stories in many different states about how people have felt as though their right was infringed on. I think cooler heads need to prevail. Yeah. I really think we're going to have a good election. I, I think you've got 15 million plus that have already participated in early voting across this country. I think you're going to have a big turnout in nine days from now on the election. And I think, again, Republicans, Democrats, and others are well aware of of the issues that we had during COVID, 
People were stepping up and trying to do things to make sure we were protected and safe, but they were adjusting election laws on the fly. I think a lot of that has been resolved. Mm. I think you're going to see a really good uh, experience in nine days. All right, so that's just the first part. She gets more wound up, but I'm going to go back to that in a second. But here's the good news. Uh, they, uh, the left is noticing that people are watching the polls. Oh, she calls it, what she called it, patrolling, patrolling, intimidating. Now, poll watchers are there to make sure the process is lawful and legal. And so uh, uh, many of you are out there. We've talked about this so much. Obviously, you're so many of you are out there that they're complaining now. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, now, if you have not signed up yet, because this is how we're going to be able to assure free and fair elections in this country, there is no other way that I know, uh, except if we have a uh, change in uh, leadership in the ballot box. Uh, but if you go to whoscounting.us, there are some states where you can still sign up. So if you haven't done that, you know, fasten your seatbelts, sign up, and go do this. And there's a lot of videos at whoscounting.us that helps you to kind of see what you should be looking for, trains you, even if you don't uh, sign up to be an official poll worker, not a volunteer, by the way, a paid worker, um, uh, you, those videos will be very helpful. All right, so now, I, but I want to go back to this because uh, the a chick on Face the Nation wasn't finished with Tom Emmers. Let's listen to clip 19. Okay, so you would urge citizens not to patrol polling places. Again, I urge everyone, get involved. Okay. Whatever your state but, allows, get involved. Volunteer, I mean, exactly what your, okay. your previous guest said. Because I Be want to ask, ask you, because in this bulletin, it also talks about um, a linkage in drawing uh, and undermining confidence in elections because of 2020. And you are on this list that we have of 307 Republicans running for office who have raised doubts about the integrity of the election. I mean, they're, they're drawing a direct line here between sowing distrust then and what we are seeing right now. Do you regret sowing doubts yourself? I, what you're referring to, I've never sowed doubts about the election. I have definitely You signed on questions. to this Texas amicus brief Let's that went to the Supreme Court to what overturn it. What it said it. was... Margaret, what that uh, what that said, that amicus brief, is that a lot of people, uh, governors, attorneys general, secretaries of state, took unilateral action during COVID, changing yeah. election so, laws so you themselves. Don't regret Again, if these... I could finish, changing election laws themselves to try and make sure that we were safe while we exercised our right to vote. That particular amicus brief, all it said was that we need to reaffirm that state legislatures and legislatures mm -hmm. alone make their election laws. So as we go forward... Once we're out of COVID, so we you, have to go back to that. So to be clear, you don't consider yourself an election denier? Absolutely not. And Joe Biden is the legitimately we, elected president of the United he, States of America. He has Just, been sworn he's serving. He is the president of the United States. He is the president of the United and States. And we've got an election in nine by. days. We've got an election in nine days that we've been working on for the last yeah. two years. Uh, you reported in the intro that eight out of 10 Americans in that same poll that you're referring to yeah. are concerned with where this country is. They say it's out of right, control. Right, but you're not undermining, you look, you're not meaning 10, to undermine confidence in the 2020 election. Eight out of 10 Americans here. right now think we're on the wrong track. That's what they're going to be voting I know, on and days. I would love to talk about something other than people being worried for their lives. But unfortunately, that's where we are. Yeah, I'm not sure what it has to do with being an election denier, but that's what she's, the link she's making. Anyway, it's a fight, and of course, they're, they've got their narrative, but now their narrative is being threatened uh, by the truth. That's what happens. You know, the truth is what comports with reality. That's a great definition, and it is true. People can see with their own eyes that what the left is saying, the press is saying, is just not true. I've got so much to say about that. In fact, I should move to that uh, Nancy Pelosi husband story. Uh, let me just grab that real quick. 
Uh, there's a follow-up on that because um, I talked to you about this, some things, and I can't repeat them because I don't have time. But I prayed for, played for you yesterday the things that we know that are sort of like, what in the world is this story? Well, they came out with a complete narrative this morning. I'm not going to repeat it, but I will just share this with you. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, who is a, a gay left, you know, he's, he's look, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is a great journalist. He's an independent journalist. He's gay. We're not on the same page on anything, but he's honest. He's very honest, and this is what he says. It's very possible that the instantly formed media narrative, Paul Pelosi's attacker was a MAGA fanatic who broke in to murder Nancy, will be proven true. But right now, there are so many glaring doubts and holes in that story that it just takes common sense to question this. But he said uh, that uh, journalists are afraid to say anything. He said, it's genuine, genuinely alarming how conditioned so much of the U.S. population is to equate skepticism toward the pronouncements of media corporations with mental illness. If you don't instantly accept what Wolf Blitzer and Andrea Mitchell claim, then you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. And then he poses these questions. What, why wasn't there signs of forced entry into the Pelosi home? Why was Pelosi, Paul, holding a, holding a hammer and the attack only happened after the police arrived. Where is the body cam, security footage? Why isn't the press asking these questions? And he answers that. He said, because a Twitter mob comes after them, and it could be career-ending. So nobody dares question this, especially when it's right before the election, and they recognize that this is a useful narrative to the left before the election. So that's just my only comment on that, which what makes me really wish I could talk about Elon Musk. I have so much story, so many stories about that. Is that not fun to watch Elon Musk go in and uh, fire the leadership of Twitter? And uh, now he's going to be laying off something like 50% of their staff over the weekend uh, and opening up, putting people back on Twitter. The Secretary of State candidate, the Republican in Arizona, is back on. Uh, President Trump. I don't know if he's back on or not, but uh, Elon Musk said he, he should be back on. And tons of people that you don't know their names have been reinstated. General Flynn, others. Uh, so this is just, uh, this is amazing. The left is uh, freaking out because Twitter has been, it is a, you have to understand, Twitter may not be something that you do, but it is a very powerful force among journalists. This is the, the avenue, the vehicle that they use to communicate with each other. And it's freaking them out that Elon Musk is opening it up to free speech. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. So very serious thing happening in Arkansas in the election a week from today. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sometimes you see a win, a glimpse of God in this broken world. Preborn rejoices in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Preborn's mission is to love and help women in unplanned pregnancies by offering them the truth to help them make the right choice by providing free ultrasounds. You see, when an expectant mom hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the image of her baby on ultrasound, she's seeing a life created in God's image, and it's a divine connection. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. To learn more about Preborn's life-saving work, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. This is Pause to Pray 
a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Roshana Desai-Martin, Assistant Secretary for Administration and Management at the Department of Labor. Her office provides leadership for areas including IT, human resources, and security. 1 Corinthians 15.58 reminds us of the importance of progress. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Roshana Desai-Martin as she works to improve productivity and efficiencies. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make a switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. I own KWAM, the news talk radio station in Memphis, Tennessee. The other day, one of our staffers reached out to a local bakery to promote one of their upcoming events, Bluff Cakes. Well, it turns out Bluff Cakes was offended by our radio station's content. They fired off a nasty response accusing KWAM of being transphobic, homophobic, racist, and all-around offensive. Bluff Cakes went on to say they support all humans and their rights, and they cannot associate with anyone who does not share their values. Well, it's true that KWAM opposes the medical mutilation of children. We also oppose the use of taxpayer money to fund drag shows for minors. And we believe that all lives matter. Clearly, Bluff Cakes does not even share their own values. I get it. They're liberal. But I was still more than happy to offer a platform to promote their baked goods. That's because my radio station is inclusive and open-minded. We want to be a platform that encourages debate. Anything else would be half-baked. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. They had long hours and sore backs and bad knees to get that Social Security. And if Ron Johnson does not understand that, if he understands giving tax breaks for private planes more than he understands making sure that seniors who've worked all their lives are able to retire with dignity and respect, He's not the person who's thinking about you and knows you and sees you, and he should not be your senator from Wisconsin. Thank you, President Obama, uh, former President Obama, thank thank goodness. uh, He's a great campaigner, although that was not so uh, compelling to me. That didn't make me not want to vote for Ron Johnson. And generally speaking, I know it's hard to believe I can actually be objective. I actually can. I can tell when things are good. I, you should hear what he said about Herschel Walker. Uh, it was actually, if I were a, a Democrat or if I were on the left, I would say that was great. That was masterful. What a wonderful hit on Herschel Walker. But that one on Ron Johnson, I didn't think was quite so effective. One of the things he says in his little montage about Herschel Walker is uh, he, he mocks him and mocks his qualifications to be president or the or president, a senator. You know, basically, he, what does he know? He's a Heisman Trophy winner, 
Uh, how could he possibly, you know, serve in this capacity? And that makes me go back in time to remembering, because I am from Chicago, who Barack Obama was when he first came onto the scene, because you may or may not know, I worked on Alan Key's campaign, which was, uh, Alan was running for Senate against Barack Obama. Barack Obama was a state senator. He rose to power when I was in D.C., so I didn't know much about him then. Uh, but I knew a lot about him after I started working for Alan Keyes. He was a community organizer. Um, what did that mean? That meant that he, well, what he ju- he learned from Saul Alinsky, not in person, but his reading, his writings. He was in that camp uh, about uh, how to co- uh, organize people through unions and other things. He was encouraged by two white Marxists. I have the Chicago Tribune article to prove this, that he must join a church. Because if you're going to get anywhere organizing in the black community, you have to be part of a church. And that's when he joined uh, the uh, what the reverend, whatever his name is, uh, on the, the how could I forget? Uh, anyway, uh, which was, you know, who was a leftist who had Louis Farrakhan in his church to speak all the time. Oh, there's so much I could tell you about Barack Obama. But that's who Barack Obama was. He was a state senator who never showed up to vote. I remember his record was terrible. He didn't want to weigh in. But, you know, that's, and so from that position, Barack Obama is elected senator of the state of Illinois, and yet he's saying, Herschel Walker was, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's really, really successful, but do you want him? Do you want him, if you're going to have an operation, would you ask Herschel Walker? If you're going to take a flight on a plane, would you ask a Heisman Trophy winner, you know, mocking, who does he think he is? Okay, so with that, I'm just, that's a long setup to go back in time and listen to the very knowledgeable, qualified to be President of the United States making this statement, clip 16. And by the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in 2018. You know what? That's the wrong one. I'm sorry. I apologize. Clip 17. That makes no sense. Clip 17. This is Obama. It's just wonderful to be back in Oregon. And over the last 15 months, we've traveled uh, to every corner of the United States. Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go. Uh, one left to go. Uh, Alaska and Hawaii I was not allowed to go to, even though I really wanted to visit, but my staff would not uh, justify it. So I guess that means we have 59 states. And this, uh, but you know, 57 states. I've been in 57 states, but there were two I couldn't go to. So 59 states, the man who would be president of the United States, man who was president of the United States, so equipped to lead this country. By the way, I just have to add, uh, you realize that there are 57 Islamic states. I just thought I'd mention that. But uh, that's the man who's boasting about how, inferring, how qualified he was to be president. (laughs) Oh, but then, of course, we have one now. You just heard this clip briefly, but we're going to replay it because uh, our president, Joe Biden, had something to say about the number of states just, I believe, yesterday or the day before, 16 and by the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in, in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. <laughs> There's a problem. Uh, the, the, of course, I realize the Democrats want to increase the number of states. They want to add D.C. They want to add what? Uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, and I, who knows what else they'll find. So we may end up with 59 states before it's over with, but not yet. But uh, trust them. They know exactly exactly what they're doing. Now, we have a, an election coming a week 
from today, and you know that, right? You know that. And we're going to be going to Arkansas in just a second and talking about that very gnarly amendment they want to add to the Constitution to legalize marijuana. It's just horrendous, and we'll talk about that. But I have a couple of more things I want to share with you. Um, this was um, Liz Cheney is now out <clears throat> doing an ad against Carrie Lake. Carrie's running for governor in the state of Arizona, and it's just kind of interesting. This is clip 14. I don't know that I have ever voted for a Democrat, but if I lived in Arizona, I absolutely would. You have a candidate for governor, Carrie Lake. You have a candidate for secretary of state, Mark Fincham, both of whom have said that they will only honor the results of an election if they agree with it. And if you care about the survival of our republic, we cannot give people power who will not honor elections. Yeah, so she, that's an actual ad. She'll so scary Lake in the ad. And, um, you know, Liz is going to be out of Congress at uh, the end of this session. Uh, and she's so pop- unpopular in Wyoming. It's just really interesting. But there she's doing an ad to hit Carrie Lake. Carrie wrote this whole narrative that I don't have time to read, thanking Liz Cheney for uh, helping her with fundraising by running that ad. <laughs> she talks about how much money she got in because of uh, Liz Cheney was running against her and how helpful that was, and she thinks Liz Cheney <laughs> yeah, Boom, it's really kind of funny. And so, um, yeah, I have a dark sense of humor sometimes. I do. But, you know, doesn't it feel good to laugh for a change? It's just kind of fun to laugh, and I think many of us see light at the end of the tunnel and are very grateful for that. Um there are a couple of other things. In fact, maybe I can take this moment to talk a little bit about um, Elon Musk. Or maybe I gave you enough information on that. Let's talk about diesel because this is driving me crazy and it's going to drive the whole world crazy. Uh, there is There are huge problems in Europe, especially in Germany. Well, not especially. They're all running out. Um, uh, in fact, there's a the, – uh, this is um, – the Repsol chief executive officer, uh, Josu Honjimaz, this is from Spain. He said that we're running out of middle, middle distillates in some European countries, adding that high diesel prices could be on the horizon. Europe is a net importer of diesel, jet fuel, fuel and heating oil, and has struggled to maintain inventories. Um, as because buyers, you know, Europe has been using Russia for over half of their diesel imports. Do you remember President Trump warning Germany not to do that and warning Europe not to do that? You're going to be dependent on the Russians, he said. And now there's the war in Ukraine and Vladimir Putin is withholding uh, the oil from the Europeans. And now they're really suffering. But here's a real interesting thing. Um, the, the Germans, at least the Germans, are moving to coal. They're beginning, they're going, they're tearing down their windmill farms they're tearing down the wind turbine turbines, and they're going into um, farm lignite. And it's a, it's a, a, I guess a mine that they've had. It's been mined for over a hundred years, but of course it's been dormant because you know fossil fuels are so wicked, you see, and they're killing the planet. But now Germany is kind of like going full force to mine this coal, which I think is amazing. But then back here, what does this mean to us? Uh, from Grayman Brief, it says the U.S. energy information is uh, on the winter fuels outlook is this. The East Coast diesel supply is 45% below the five-year average. Uh, there is an industry alert issued of extremely high gas prices and supply outages of diesel in Virginia, Tennessee, Georgia, 
Alabama, Maryland, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And as a matter of fact, Fox went out and interviewed a number of truckers uh, just a few days ago and to talk about the effect that it's having on truckers. You guys, uh, that clip is, I'm not sure what, can you find it there on the sheet? Yeah, number 21. Let's listen to that. We literally work for peanuts right now. And nobody can say anything. It's nobody to talk to. Diesel prices right now are very high. Um, it's harder for companies to make money right now with the high prices, plus the rates have dropped. So, you know, really not making the money you were making before. You're barely getting by right now. So, literally, it's taking, in my company, the fuel almost 30, 40% of expenses. It affects the independent driver that don't have enough money to, to, to bring his load in. But only... Only people that are surviving are the big, the big name companies that can afford the gas. In the last two weeks, we're seeing increase about a dollar, dollar a gallon, literally. And the only people that will survive are the bigger companies. The smaller ones won't make it. There's fewer trucks on the road, which causes a product to go higher. Whatever, just normal everyday stuff, food, anything, anything that the truck brings you, it's going to be higher. I don't think it's anybody looking out for us because price of insurance significantly growing every year. Uh, the trucks themselves, the trailers, almost double in price in the last three years. We need to drive more than the normally. Usually we drive a day four, five hundred miles a day. Now we need to make a little bit money. We need to drive like six hundred miles. Before Trump was helping us, but now nobody is. We can be happy, we can be not happy with Donald Trump, but when Donald Trump was in office, I remember in Texas, in the South Texas, I can get lower than $2 a gallon. Right now, the government and their just cares about them making money, not, not what it's going on out here. Lexus coming. They're saying, what, we're at a 25, 25-day reserve, diesel reserve for nationally. All it is is boosting prices. That's it. It's killing the independent man out here. We are right. limited by Okay, it goes on and on, but then by... they explain, of course, that that means that's why all your goods and services, your food, everything is brought in by trucks. And there are very few of them out there driving. They're being forced out of business because they can't afford the diesel. And as they said, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And as I've said before, truckers, you know, have, for, for years, truckers have been fun to me as a radio host. They've listened so faithfully and called in and they're so informed. I'm not saying all of them are, but a lot of them really are. They they have time and they listen uh, to uh, really good, uh, reliable radio sources, and they become really great patriots, and now they're suffering. And so this has to change. This has to change. Um, I want to change the subject for the moment because I want to set up my interview with our next guest. I talked about, in fact, I should say, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. Marijuana, I'm not a fan of marijuana. I, I grew. I was a teenager and I'm a college student at the time when marijuana became, uh, you know, integrated into the culture. And I saw what it did to people, made them stupid. And that makes people mad every time I say that because some people listening even now are smoking it. I have no people. I have friends that still smoke marijuana. I There are a lot of seniors who smoke marijuana. And... Um, 
I that I I find that offensive. But um, now let me just give you some facts rather than just my thoughts. This is an article that really grabbed me. Dr. Ken uh, Kenneth Finn uh, is um, the uh, head, the president of the American Board of Pain Medicine. He's in Colorado. I asked him to join us this morning, but they're so busy that he just couldn't. And so I want to read to you a bit of what he reported that there is a sharp rise in marijuana-related psychosis. He said, as drug legalization groups and the cannabis industry lobby to legalize cannabis across the United States with initiatives to legalize marijuana on the November ballot in five more states, the president of the American Board of Pain Medicine and the vice president of the International Academy on the Science and Impacts of Cannabis, Dr. Ken Finn said high-potency cannabis is... Use is being linked to poisonings in young children as well as psychosis and schizophrenia in an increasing number of regular users. A lot of my colleagues that work in psychiatry and emergency medicine are seeing a sharp rise in marijuana-related psychosis. The European data shows that there's a five-fold increased risk of first-episode psychosis with what they describe as high-potency THC, which is about 10%. So we are really in uncharted territories here in Colorado with with the THC potencies of between 40 and 60%. And he goes on to explain the reason the potencies continue to grow is because people are uh, getting used, their bodies are adjusting to it, and so the companies that make the marijuana are increasing the potency uh, ever more, ever more, in order to bring a high to their uh, existing users. An NIH paper came out last week to show that kids are exposed the cannabis, the kids that are exposed to cannabis in, in utero tend to have psychotic-like episodes by the time they're 10 years of age. In a very rare circumstance, he talks about how the psychosis um, can last, uh, but he said in some cases it doesn't ever reverse. There's a very strong correlation to cannabis use of high potency with schizophrenia, although the link has not been clearly proven, but it is strongly suspected. It goes on to say poison control calls are skyrocketing across the country in states that have both medical and recreational programs, particularly in the zero to five age group. And uh, we're going to talk about this uh, and more. I'll add some more about what Dr. Finn said. By that way, that article is in the Epoch Times and we'll put that on our getter page, sharp rise in marijuana related psychosis. But right now we're going to go to Arkansas because it's in Arkansas. They're getting ready to add an amendment to their constitution which will codify access to marijuana in ways you will not believe. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. I love the cooperation between the gifts that these men have. Ezra was a scribe. He knew the law. He knew what to say. Nehemiah was a leader, and God did a great work. Nehemiah had a vision. He prayed about it. 
He exerted leadership and motivated people. And then when the going got tough, he kept on going. Bert Harper and Alex McFarland, advancing through the scriptures weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio's Exploring the Word. So then, you will know them by their fruits. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Contrary to popular expectations, the New York gubernatorial race between incumbent Kathy Hochul and challenger Lee Zeldin is surprisingly tight. In a telling exchange between the two during a recent debate, Kathy Hochul revealed a trait that is all too familiar among regressives. They implement policies that damage their underlings, yet they remain unscathed by them. Lee Zeldin queried Hochul as to why she was comfortable traversing the debate without addressing New York's ascendant and uncontrolled crime problem. Hochul responded, I don't know why that's so important to you. Crime is the top issue for likely New York voters, but not that important to Hochul. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Elderly federal judge Kenneth Hoyt put two election integrity activists in jail yesterday until they publicly identify and thereby put at risk a reported FBI confidential informant. The practical effect of Judge Hoyt capriciously locking up True the Votes, Catherine Engelbrecht, and Greg Phillips is to prevent them from warning of an ominous prospect. Communist China may be able to exploit access given to sensitive electoral data by the indicted CEO of Connect Inc. to affect our midterms a week from today. Suppressing such information could make a difference in turnout and outcomes, just as preventing voters from knowing the truth about Hunter Biden's laptop did in the 2020 presidential race. That would make Judge Hoyt's arbitrary decision tantamount to election interference. My old boss Ronald Reagan, who appointed him to the bench 35 years ago, must be spinning in his grave. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, well, it's almost Christmas. I know it's hard to believe it. I hope that this year we can actually embrace and uh, worship and enjoy Christmas season without um, just all the stress that we've been through this past few years. And one way we can just really enter into, you know, the spirit of the season is to help Samaritan's Purse with their Operation Christmas Child. If you just get a shoebox, 
and fill it with, you know, a couple of really sweet toys for kids and then put some, you know, toiletries in there, some clothing, whatever, something. Probably should fix a box with a girl in mind and a box with a boy in mind if you can do two of them. And uh, you take them to a drop-off center, and if you go to samaritanspurse.org slash OCC, you'll find out where those drop-offs are. Many of you have churches that are participating in this, but it's samaritanspurse.org slash OCC. If you go there, you can find out where to drop those off. Uh, They will be taking them from November 14th through the 21st so that, you know, you have some time to do this, and we hope that you'll join in the fun of uh, sending something really sweet to these kids overseas who've never heard the gospel, and also they will hear about the gospel that will be inserted in their language in that gift box. So uh, there's the scoop. It's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. All right, just a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was not even that, I got an email from Kay uh, in uh, Arkansas. She listens. She said she's an avid listener, and she alerted me to the fact that a week from today, Arkansas will actually put on their ballot uh, a provision, issue four, to make uh, marijuana legal in that state uh, with uh, a lot of other twists that are very alarming. And I've asked Jerry Cox, who's the head of the Arkansas Family Council, and this would be in his capacity as leading the Family Council Action, that's the 501c4. I've asked Jerry to join us this morning and talk about what's going on in Arkansas. Jerry, thanks for joining us this morning. Well, Sandy, I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on. And let me add that I'm a huge fan of your show, and I really appreciate the fact that you get out the truth, and as one commentator said, you tell the rest of the story. And so you do a great (laughs) job, and thank you for having me on. Well, that's really kind, Jerry. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so let's just jump right in because we really have to warn people. When I read the details of this, it just made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Issue 4 would add this proposal to your Constitution. Okay, so tell us. I'm yes. going to turn you loose here. What What is so bad yeah. about this uh, Issue 4? Uh, it, it is so bad that the most ardent marijuana supporters in the state of Arkansas are campaigning against it. So the folks that wrote the medical marijuana amendment, the people that have championed recreational marijuana for years here in Arkansas, have united along with us, and we're all fighting this awful, terrible amendment. What happened is the marijuana industry, big money from in-state and out, moved in here, and they said, we're going to write ourselves into the Arkansas Constitution, and we're going to give ourselves a monopoly that the legislature can't tax. The legislature can't regulate, the legislature can't zone it, nor can any local subdivision like cities and counties control it. And so this is like big marijuana moving in and giving itself a monopoly and writing themselves into our state constitution from now on. And the only way to get them out will be to pass another amendment. But we are afraid by then they will be so deeply ingrained in Arkansas financially that they will crush any attempt to get them out. And so they've already Jerry, spent $2 million l- just l- let to me jump, the ballot. Let me jump in just yeah, to f- confirm what you're saying from Dr. F- I quoted Dr. Kenneth Finn, who wrote this, wrote this great article in Epoch Times, who's in Colorado. And, of course, they were the first to legalize recreational marijuana, as I recall. Maybe the, I think they were the first And uh, he says, multinational corporate interests, which care a lot about profit, are behind the cannabis industry. The idea here is absolutely not social justice, nor any sort of reform in a meaningful way. The intent here 
is to get richer. So I just want to make that point with you. Okay, so what else? It is so it is so true and that's what we have recognized. That's what the pro marijuana forces in the state have recognized is that see they they removed the residency requirements that we have for our so-called medical marijuana. So you don't have to be a resident of Arkansas to own a farm or a store. Well, that opens it wide open where these multinational corporations can move right in. And see, Arkansas is a deep red state. Um, We are in the Bible Belt. But they are looking to make an example of Arkansas because we're a small state. $10 million worth of ads is what they've done so far. But that's like spending $100 million in a state like Texas. And so if they can gain a foothold here, then they're going to march right across the country and these big multinational corporations are going to take over and they are not going to care anything about what they do to our state. This is a an industry, Sandy, whose entire business model turns on creating more drug addicts. How can that possibly be good for our kids, for our schools, for our safety on our roads, health, all of those things, and yet People here in Arkansas are being tricked into voting for this because they're promising the moon. They're promising funding for the police and safer streets. And they're even going to help cure cancer, they're they're telling people. And a lot of people are going out here, I'm afraid, and they're going to vote for this thing. It's a bait and switch. And we need to tell people the truth. And I appreciate you helping us do that. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. I also want to add that there's similar proposals are on the ballot a week from today in Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota. I don't know the particulars of your bills in those states, but I'm just telling you, watch for it. And, of course, we have been so dull, Jerry. Every We have been so dull to the dangers of marijuana. We've been told that, you know, it's... It's not bad. It's, you know, it's fun. It's like smoking. It makes you feel good. It's been the object of jokes. I see it in a lot of movies. And I just, it's never funny to me because I've seen the firsthand, the results of it. And you have this great flyer. And I'm going to steal from your flyer. It's vote no on marijuana issue four. And you say approximately one in 10 people who use marijuana will become addicted to it. Using marijuana during pregnancy causes complications, and it can affect the child later in life, causing problems with attention, memory, problem-solving skills, and behavior. Children and infants who are exposed to secondhand marijuana smoke can experience the same issues as smoke. Also, there's I, I mentioned before you joined me that uh, psychosis and uh, schizophrenia are, are being associated with this now as well. I, what have I missed? What are other reasons why people should vote no on this? Well, uh, you hit it right on the head with those uh, th- those things that are negative about it. And I might add that there are at least 20,000 peer-reviewed scientific articles out there right now that prove what you just said and more. But, Sandy, it's like the, the, the media wants everybody to think that marijuana is harmless, and I wish they could they could have talked to a lady who came by my office the other day whose son was killed. He was a college-age young man killed by a head-on collision. A driver who was high on alcohol and marijuana ran into her son on the highway and killed him. I wish they would tell the, the, the people uh, just the other day when this little toddler got into a bunch of 
marijuana-laced candy that was bought legally, and the child died. And so don't tell me that this is harmless. It's not harmless. Even if you don't use it, it can harm you. It can harm your family. And people need to understand that. Do we really need another drug problem? Do we really do? Do we really need one? Right now, Arkansas, and I bet you all the other states, are battling opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. They're fighting fentanyl. They're dealing with meth. They're dealing with heroin. And now here you have these big companies marching into our state trying to buy their way into our Constitution so they can create another drug problem and just ride the backs of the poor all the way to the bank. I want to read another point that you make on this flyer. And how could people get a hold of this flyer, Jerry? How could they find this information? You know, the easy thing to do would just call us, 501-375-7000, and we'll take care of it. We have a website. It's familycouncilactioncommittee.com. That's kind of long. They can get it there. But just dial the phone. The old-fashioned way would work, too, 501-375-7000. All right, we'll put both of those things on our getter page, familycouncilactioncommittee.com and also 501-375-7000 to get this. Or sure, I'm guessing if they go on the website, they could print it out. But I want to make make this... Let me underscore this uh, other point that you mentioned. Dr. Finn was talking about how bad this is for babies, you know, people, even in in utero, the damage. Uh, But this is another aspect of this. Uh, in your flyer, adults who consume food or drinks laced with high concentrations of tetrahydrocannabinol, I don't know what it's that, tetrahydrocannabinol. That's it. <laughs> you I got it. Right? <laughs> okay. Can, can experience marijuana poisoning. Uh, so, okay. But children can be poisoned by consuming marijuana candy, cookies, soft drinks, or other marijuana edibles. You know, that make, brings to mind, you know, yesterday was Halloween, which I don't even I don't even talk about anymore because who wants to? They've made it so wicked. Uh, but right. were there any? Right. That's a problem. Hasn't it been for, like, candy? For candy? For children, Halloween have been laced with stuff like this, ha- hasn't it? Well, and see, here's the thing. This amendment removes um, the THC limitations that are on our medical marijuana uh, program here in Arkansas. That program said no more than 10 milligrams per food serving. This this amendment erases all that. So you can have little gummy bears that are laced with 99.9% THC. If kids get into that, they have tr- they start having trouble breathing. They end up in the emergency room, the hospital, or like in this case recently, unfortunately, where a toddler died. And you can't tell me that if we legalize marijuana candy, the kids aren't going to get into it. They are. Kids get into all kinds of things. And so it's going to prey on our children, and they're probably going to be the ones that will suffer the most. So Uh, there's so many reasons, Sandy, to be against this. Are are churches helping with this? Some are helping. We have distributed over 400,000 church bulletin inserts statewide, and we have a network of people around the state that are helping us with this, but there are 5,000 places of worship in the state of Arkansas alone, so it's hard to reach everybody. The people that are promoting this have millions and millions of dollars 
to just bombard the people with ads on TV and on social media. And we don't have that. We, we, we have the grassroots organization, but a lot of churches, Sandy, as you know, say, well, that's political and we're not going to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I say it's to our own peril that we ignore this issue because this issue will land right on the doorstep of the church because the people whose lives are broken are going to be there trying to trying to get help. And we'll help them because we're good people. But this is a problem we do not need to have, and we can stop it by voting against this issue for here in Arkansas. All right, so let me remind everyone, it's Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota where something similar is happening to what Jerry's describing is happening in Arkansas. We have a week from today, Jerry. How can people in Arkansas, what specific things can they do to help you? Let me tell you what uh, what I'm doing. I'm texting everybody in my phone contacts and urging them to vote no on marijuana issue four. And you'd be surprised how many of your friends, your people that go to church with you, who think, well, it's not that bad, and we'll exactly. tax it, we'll get some benefit out of it and all that. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it is bad. And the way they wrote it, you're not going to get any tax benefit out of it because the industry set their own tax rate. And they said the legislature can't change that. So forget about there being some tax windfall and forget about being able to zone it away from your playgrounds and uh, middle of your town. Can't do it. So my, my encouragement is text, call people that you know and ask them to please vote no on marijuana issue four if you're in Arkansas. All right, FamilyCouncilActionCommittee.com, FamilyCouncilActionCommittee.com. If you want this brochure, it's so filled with information, very helpful, or call them at 501-375-7000. Now, we always ask what we can do. This is what we can do. We have a week from today. Uh, Jerry Cox, thank you so much. It's nice to meet you, sir. And I hope to meet you in person sometime. Thanks for joining me this morning. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.